We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to episode 375 of the Win in Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee. I'm joined as always by my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Hello, Jordan. Hello. And we are also joined today by big time Ty Windish. The boss man is here. Ty, how are you doing? I'm great. Uh, I told you this before we started recording, Adam, but when Javon Carter has a 36.12 assist game, you're not going to record a Milwaukee Bucks podcast in my vicinity that I'm not on. So I crashed the party. I was too energized. I barely went to sleep. Uh, and I'm very excited for this episode. Yeah, we were, the three of us and, and Rowan, we were all on playback last night with a whole bunch of people who I'm sure are listening, watching what was set up to be one of the weirdest books games of the season. And I think it delivered on that front. And it was just immensely fun as Javon Carter uh, had the very best game of his career. One of the best games from a role player kind of on the books in many, many years. I, I think kind of if you want to take out Big Tree, you're obviously out of that equation. You're going to take Brooke out of it. Kind of non that group. Bobby and Pat of some games, but that's it. Like, uh, kind of interesting, I guess, in the fact that Javon is back on a new contract. It seems like the guys who are capable of doing things like that have had some staying power with the books. So, Jordan, I 
I'm very sad to report that the books are in fact no longer the NBA's only undefeated team. But what? but the books are the only NBA team with just a single loss. I don't know if you We're knew back. that. We're back. Where do we want to start with? Do we want to start with what we saw last night? Um, and maybe we can work backwards with a few observations from other games. We've also got lots of questions in the mailbag, so we're going to get through a ton of stuff there. But I guess let's strike while the iron is hot and talk a little bit about that Javon Carter game, first and foremost. A friend of GSPN. Ty, you came here for this purpose. So what, what have you got to say about Javon's performance? It was pretty, pretty surprising. Uh, as much as we've seen some good stuff from him lately. Yeah, I'm really hopeful that it can be a springboard for him because I think my thought with Javon Carter, I mean, I didn't expect a 36.12 assist game. I'll put that out there first. But I always thought he just needs to be a little more aggressive, especially this season offensively, when he when they put him in there with the starters. And we've talked a bit about whether it's on playbacks or other podcasts, what he what him starting opens up for Drew Holiday has been valuable to the Bucks because the lineup configurations with like Drew Grayson, you know, Giannis, Brooke, another wing player in there kind of forces Drew to guard point guards no matter what, even if the Bucks would rather have him guard a wing player. So like Drew on Cade Cunningham, Javon Carter on Jaden Ivey, like that's valuable. So I think that's why Javon has been starting. But the issue has been there's been games where he's like 0 for 3 with a point or 1 for 2 with two points. And I think especially on this pre-Chris, pre-Pat version of the Bucks, they can't have that. And honestly, even when those guys are back, I don't think you should want that. If, if Javon is still starting, we'll see. He made a good case to do so last night. Um, but I think he just needs to be more aggressive. Obviously, he's not going to be taking however many shots he had in the game last night. I like 27 that's not going to be normal when Giannis and, sure? and Chris are back I mean the way he played I mean <laughs> the crazy thing about it was I think if you told someone who was pretty familiar with his game that he had 36 they'd be like oh he made 12 threes like was he just bombing away threes like no he made five threes he five for ten it was a good game from three but he attacked the rim he had some beautiful reverse finishes like finished through contact I think one or two and ones and the pull-up mid-range game some runners like how many three-level scorers on the Bucks have had a better game in the last, like, five years than Javon? Last night, Chris, I'll give you Chris. True. Not a ton more. Like, Drew, That's yeah. About it. That's about it. I mean, I'd be honest. Even Bledsoe scored on a good night. Yeah, well, I'm literally also, I'm how many, signing how up. How many, like, three-level scores have the Bucks had? Exactly. Like, I, I, I didn't know he was capable of that. It's the kind of creation and playmaking and playmaking not just in terms of assisting although i i didn't ever really see him as a 12 assist kind of point guard even with those kind of minutes and that kind of usage but to just be able to go and make shots all of his mid-range jumpers which were really dialed in like that's the kind of player that i think in probably three of the last four seasons if not by the time the playoffs come around around the trade deadline we're like oh the books could really do with someone like that even going into this season like, I know you did a pod on Jordan Clarkson, you and Roland Ty. Like, Jordan Clarkson is kind of what you look for for somebody who could do that. Um, and you don't expect any of the other stuff. Now, it's it's one game, but to your question, like, tree level scoring has not been in kind of 
great supply for the books over the years. Yeah, and if anyone is unfamiliar, the term means basically being able to score from beyond the three-point line the mid range in the mid range area and at the rim. So the Bucks have a lot of guys who excel at one to two of those. Pretty few guys overall who excel at all three, and that's why again, of course, we're not expecting Javon to be a thirty and twelve player going forward, but just want him to attack with that decisiveness and that aggressiveness when he has good looks, no matter who's out there, and that's just going to unlock a lot for everyone else. And clearly, he has the skill to do it. Clearly, he's not lacking in confidence. I don't know if you guys saw the clip in oh, with yeah. Zora after the game. When did you know that you just had to keep going and keep shooting? Stone-faced, looks at her and goes, when I woke up, and then just done, done talking. His his halftime and post-game interviews are great because he always does that. Um, and I don't think it's a rude thing. I just think, like, he's a man of few words. I don't know how we got through a 30-minute podcast. There were longer answers than that. Thank you, Javon. Um, but yeah, I just, I hope this can be kind of a tone setter for him and that he can bring that confidence and that aggressiveness going forward. Cause I think we know the Bucks love when guys let it fly. And if he just plays with that, that level, like of decisiveness, I keep saying that word, but I think it's going to make him look great. Like even better than he did last night when he's taking eight, nine shots a game and he's out there with the big three. Jordan. I mean, I know we talked about it on the Eurostep, uh, which you should listen to, because um, it's still very relevant to this day of like being cast off from the Nets. And boy, uh, did his life turn for the better, Javon Carter? <laughs> um, but like, real he quick, talked to, is is this the second? Is no, no, no. Just, just um, this is a shit post. Is is he the second best player on the Nets payroll this season? Yeah. Thanks, like, Brooklyn. Yeah, very he is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go um, ahead, Jordan. I had, to, I had to get my little my thing in there. <laughs> but he even talked about like he doesn't view himself as just this three and D guy. And yeah, I, like I remember listening to that and be like, that's I mean, no player is not gonna just view them as this like very highly defined role. Um, you don't get into the NBA without doing being able to do all the stuff that you do in college or played in a lead role or whatever that you can get to the NBA. But we have seen him kind of, we've seen the ups and downs of him be able to play off of Drew, Giannis, Chris at times, or say if it's like a night like last night where he's got a bigger role with the ball in his hands. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes he's, I don't think we could doubt the scoring at this point because he could hit, he's shown to be able to, kind of lead pick, pick and rolls and stuff like that and stops and pops and all the doozy what sees. But um, I think for me, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, th- that is the stuff of like legend. That is how Brooke Lopez becomes spr- splash mountain hitting seven threes, like around the same, how many games that was into that his first season with the Bucks where it's like, where does this come from? Where did like where is this going to be going? And I'm not again. We're no, none of us are expecting 36 points and 12 assists on any night moving forward from Javon Carter. Maybe he gets close to it again. I don't know, <laughs> but it is very just like it's very reassuring to see him. Uh, as my dog just goes crazy with the phone. Sorry, um, like clockwork. 
Um, it's just very reassuring to see him kind of not shy away from the moment because that is that is stuff that you need to see come playoff time. But you gotta you have to see guys just rise up, hit shots, take shots, more importantly, and just I don't know, live with the results and and don't get dissuaded by misses or playing 50 minutes of the game because it goes a double overtime and it's internally long. So yeah, I, I think it was just it was just the constant like how does this keep going and stuff like that. And as to Ty's point to finish my long-winded point, a lot of the stuff that he was doing besides hitting threes and stuff like that, he was finishing under control at the rim through traffic, all that stuff that like I would never have associated with Javon Carter. Um, There's been a lot of talented guards that have come through Milwaukee that I couldn't say the same thing about Eric Bledsoe. You know I mean? Like that's, that's the thing of like, see him (laughs) be as successful challenging guys who what Mike Muscala not like we're not talking about all-stars or anything like that but like that was very impressive as well just to see him kind of have his career night something I was thinking a little bit about with him and I guess it applies in some other ways too it applies to like Marjan given the circuitous route that he took to the NBA for a long time the books were kind of locked in on young players who were coming from like blue chip programs and were role players in pretty star-studded programs or with high profile coaches. We saw that as their, their go-to drafting strategy for quite a few years, but also in some of the players, I think that they were kind of linked with and even maybe some of the, the, the gambles they were looking to take or even took in free agency. I think there's some real value to someone from a slightly smaller school like Javon uh, from West Virginia, who's played a bigger role. Like, but by the time he gets to his senior year, obviously his whole reputation in college, much like it is in the NBA now was built on his defense, but he was doing a lot offensively. He's, he's taking on a starring role where he has kind of the keys to the offense and it's up to him to make sure it gets from point A to point B. That's really interesting when you get someone who clearly understands how to be a role player, but they have that extra gear in them. And if you can kind of tap into that, it's there on a night like this where it's like, okay, you look around you, there's no Drew, there's no Giannis. How are we going to create offense? I've done that before. I can do it again. And it it's something even as we kind of appraise young players, and I, I guess it's particularly pertinent to draft talk, there's definitely been a lot of times where I've leaned heavily on the side of, oh, that guy has played a, an NBA equivalent role at this school with kind of, you know, other good players around them, good coach. That seems like the logical way to go. I'm starting to reassess that. And I think you even see more of that in the NBA now where guys who they just they have self-awareness, they have intelligence to be able to fit into an NBA role, a reduced role in the team. But they also have that extra level in them and what interests me with Javon is when Giannis is back when Drew is back when Chris is back do we see him defer all the time because he is very deferential out there and I I think when you see a game like this you're like probably too much like if there are opportunities for him to go in and shoot a mid-range jumper it does not feel like something we see him do very often He's very much playing to, okay, I know what I have to do when I'm out there. This is the book's offense, and I know who I am within it. I wonder, do they give him a little bit of a kind of longer leash and say, 
you are you're capable of creating some of that offense. If things bog down for us in other ways, you could be someone who gives us a little bit extra. We know what he can do from behind the three-point line. I do think the key to him having chances to continue to do this or have a really big season is going to be the three-point shot has to be there consistently. We've seen a good few a few good games now. To start the season was a little bit more hit and miss. So kind of where up to 37.8% from three. Like just... that's that's right where he needs to be. If you can round out there, even better. Like that's that's gonna be great. And he's gonna get a lot of opportunity. But I, I do think it was really, really interesting. And it's really interesting in view of like I think someone like Grayson, who did not have a good game at all. And we saw mm. a lot of the problems that come with Grayson, but at a point where we're potentially very very close rumblings and um, that i don't know did you pick up ty i, I know there's a few of us talked about it in our, our group chat last night i missed anyway when we were on playback but seemingly lisa byington hinted that there's rumbling that chris will be back friday um, yeah. and yeah and jim you... ozarski at the journal yeah. sentinel mm-hmm. alluded to hearing similar so we may be looking at something like the best version of a book starting lineup from later this week or even if they i don't know do some like bring chris off the bench to get him back from within the next 10 days and that's gonna leave some decisions to make i don't think we want to talk a little bit maybe about grayson here too because i think it kind of meshes in and this will probably bring in some margin talk too like one of the things you want out of really i guess the book second guard is an ability to make good decisions knock down some shots make some passes Grayson can do a lot of that. His driving into just walls of bodies, his decision-making is a problem. He had a few nice finishes early in the game last night, but later on, his offense went away completely because he was just turning it over. Even uh, the Hawks He called for, for charges. Like, that's something that the books do not need out of their fifth starter. You cannot be giving away possessions. You are the person that, like, they're they're counting on to not do that. Um, sure, you can take a shot, you can miss a shot. That's part of it. But you know, the turnovers are are the offensive fouls. They're there for someone like Giannis, who's trying to do a whole lot more. You don't want to see them coming from your fifth starter. And I think it's interesting, obviously, with Javon giving much better perimeter defense. What he does for Drew, having him out there coming at this juncture and just even how committed Bud has been to him as a starter in the season, it feels like very, very interesting decisions for what the books see as the kind of ideal version of themselves this year are right on the horizon now. Yeah. Totally on board with Javon starting. Um, I, I pulled it up. The list of Bucks who have had a 30 and 10 game in the Budenholzer era. Do you know, you want to guess how many guys total have done it? Four to maybe five. Maybe five. there's gonna be a random one. There's not a random one. It's four. So predictably, Giannis nine times uh, has had a thirty and ten game in the regular season only. Drew Holiday's done it twice. Eric Bledsoe did it twice. Nobody else has had a thirty-six and twelve game though, and both on the points and the assists, that's a high. So nobody has had more than twelve assists while scoring thirty. Nobody has had more than 36 points while having 10 assists. So it really is kind of an unprecedented game. But yeah, there is, you know, I I just, I wanted to pull it up to see for sure. Because I think you can make this case that like, oh, you know, whatever, guys have big games. It's an outlier, whatever, whatever. Like 
Like, no, we haven't seen any guys do this outside of the two starting point guards and the franchise player who's going to be one of the best guys of all time. Like, it is obviously a small sample, but, like, the tape is still the tape. Like, we still saw him do these things. I always I always try to approach a game like this with that lens of, like, can like, is this valuable? Does this mean anything? Like, you know, is this a Mamu game where he dunks five times in the last quarter and you get excited, but you're like, okay, he's playing against guys who weren't really trying? Like, no, I think this is an instructive game and it means something that he was able to do this when you know nobody not named drew bledsoe and Giannis has done this in a bucks uniform since at least the 1819 season it's also exactly the kind of game that the Bucks brought back jordan Wara for in my opinion that they thought oh we've got to rest some guys the players are down we need some offense like that to me seems like the sole purpose of jordan Wara, and he can't do that so this is where things get really interesting for Javon, where you know he can be a guy who might only score four or five points and it's going to give you really good, solid defense. But if he can also be the guy that then, okay, this is the night where we need you to go another level, like that's really kind of making himself such a versatile piece of the book's plans, where you just become central to the plans. Like I think going into the season, we all probably had pretty set ideas of what the rotation would look like, and we all wanted to see more Javon. I don't know, though, if we had him like right there in an eight-man books rotation in terms of how we were planning it. We might have wanted it over George Hill, but if we had known that we were going to get the version of George Hill we've got so far this season, which has been pretty good, I think we would have all said it's going to be tough for Javon to find minutes. He's just turned that on its head already. It's like, you're in. You're in. For, for whatever reason it might be, whatever is needed of you, you're showing that you can give different things to this team. I think that's that's earning you your spot in the, the top part of this rotation. There will not be a repeat of what happened in the playoffs last year, where I think people are like, oh, this would be a really good spot for Javon. Why isn't Bud going to Javon? Because he's becoming one of Bud's most trusted guys, and he's giving the books whatever they need from night to night. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, just thinking on this whole... We obviously take it, try to take a longer term or longer scope of things, just... The roster building that the Bucks have done expertly over the last five years, but it's we're at the point as we talk about our lives. It's like, how does this sustain itself? And talk about there's not a lot of draft picks. There's not a lot of you're talk, baking on trades. You're baking on the right moves of free agency, but that's also as good as they have been in free agency. That's could be a crapshoot. We've seen for every you know securing Bobby and Brooke. Um, on longer term contracts after you know big years or um, playing on smaller deals, you have guys that they're hedging bets on number thirty seven or DJ Augustine, th- that kind of stuff. Like it, it, the misses have been there, but the thing for me is like like Brooke and Bobby, Javon Carter for whatever like no one really had the highest expectations of when he first came to Milwaukee, but all of us could rightly say he was at least an NBA player. I don't know if he was, he's going to be sticking around. He's just the kind of guy that he plays his role, right? He gives obviously great attitude and mentality to the team. Um, it's just stuff like that, that like we see that with like the heat routinely or like the Raptors who just kind of buy in on like castoffs or unheralded guys that are go on draft or whatever that really like, blossom into Max Struess or Duncan Robinson or um, Fred Van Vliet or like just the list goes on and on and on and on. Even and a, a team like the Celtics, Boxing. like Peyton, Peyton Pritchard, not to bring fast PP back into this, but someone like that who you don't think a whole lot of and all of a sudden you get a playoff game where that guy's a problem. Yeah. You've never had that. No. Um, at this point, I mean, outside of a five game stretch where he didn't hit a three to start this season. Javon Carter has been wonders. And I mean, again, we're not going to expect him to do this every night, but playing in a role where again, we're talking about him as being the fifth starter. The fact that he plays so well off of Drew, off of Giannis, off of Chris, off of Brooke, obviously too. Like that stuff has its uses. And that is for, that makes just things very more, I don't know. It's reassuring from, Roster standpoint, depth chart, the guard rotation, as great as George Hill has been, they obviously want to, you know, you don't want to use George Hill too much too soon because injury can always strike. The same goes for West. Those guys are older. Javon Carter's, what, 27, 28? So he's right in the prime of his NBA career. Um, I don't know. It's just stuff like that that, like, that's how this machine keeps running. That's how things keep sustaining itself. And for what the Bucks need in this moment, for what they need this season to keep things going, especially when they're going to rest 
guys like Giannis, Chris, Drew, more so down the line. Um, it's just it's just very positive to see these guys step up, and it's just I don't know. We we had very we were like I don't know what to expect for this playback. None of us expected anything to go on <laughs> that we did when we were doing the playback. So that was what made it even more of a fun experience to to watch. Yeah, and I think I wonder how much of the Javon slower start. It seemed like I think him starting and being a consistent night to night starter, it did feel to me like a little excused upon deer and headlights thing early of like, I think he tried to do a bit too much early right away. And he was like kind of dribbling into defenders a little bit. And I think he just really needed to kind of get in a rhythm and get used to that. And not like, I think anything really rattles him, but it is just a big adjustment. He just turned 27 in September, by the way. So one of the younger players on the honest timeline, we talked about, you know, the, the older guy, the really old guys, the Chris and Drew age guys, and then the honest age guys, and then Bochamp by himself, like five years younger, just the, the baby who's would be like one of the older players on the Thunder, I think. But uh, the nice thing about, you mentioned Jordan, like the team building aspect of it. I don't want to get too deep into that because it's November, you know, it's not, not July, but there he's already going to be eligible for early bird rights after this year. So the Bucks will be able to give him essentially something akin at the max at the max side, something akin to that Bobby Portis contract where he can get 105% of the average NBA player salary. So I, you know, I was thinking before I looked it up to verify that, like, you know, we might be in a situation where that's the MLE and just keeping Javon and I'd be totally fine with that, but they, they'd be able to do more and we'll see. I mean, there's other spending considerations that come in. There's some bigger dominoes to fall like Chris Middleton, Mm -hmm. obviously Brooke Lopez, but I was so excited to see that Javon Carter signed back because I know, you know, he had said after he came to the Bucks, like you know, nobody called. Like I didn't pick the Bucks, like because out of a bunch of suitors, I picked the Bucks because they called and nobody else did. So who knows what you know his market was like? He obviously played well with Milwaukee. I would imagine he could have found a spot somewhere else. But to basically not play late in the Celtics series when he clearly should have. And then come back and just be like, no, like I want to be here. He was one of the guys who was around the team a lot of the offseason and just come back. And it seems like no complaints ever. Just work, get better. Uh, I know Jim Lazarski did a piece on him talking to Javon and some other people around the team where he really put a lot of time into that offensive game this year, kind of getting back to that after in college and high school, he switched to be a defensive player to kind of build a niche for himself and get playing time. Like, it's just really cool. And it's the exact kind of person the Bucks want to have in this core. And it's really cool to see it working out for him so far. And hopefully it continues to do so. And, you know, he's on the Bucks for a long time. I think the one other thing I'd add is it may not work for him as a starter for the Bucks, And this game could be one that a month from now we could still be looking back to and be saying, well, Javon should be the sixth man and give him the keys to the offense when some of the starters are taking a rest because he can do this if you give him the ball more like that that could also be a part of it but i think where i'm at right now is i haven't been impressed with everything he's done this year there have been bad games i think a javon off game hurts you considerably less than a grayson allen off game yeah 100 I, I think that that's really important when it is that fifth piece in your starting lineup and you're trying to mesh with the weapons that you have there it's like if javon is out there and his offense isn't there you've still got an absolutely terrifying defensive lineup. Like it is, it is going to just suffocate opposing. And teams. we're not even talking about Pat too. That That is another like throwing Pat that like 
he they're not going to hit shots. I would even I, I'm going to be so bold to say Marjan because well, there is I got to get there. I got to get there. There is uses in these guys that even when the shot is not falling, they're going to to go after loose balls, rebounds. They're going to take on Shea Gilgis Alexander or Cade Cunningham or top perimeter guys. Like that is where for me, because they are very, this is a deep team. We're already seeing it without on a night where they're out four or four to five guys. And we're not even talking about Joe Ingles too, who mm-hmm. is the big unknown this year. That's where like be able to keep everything going, keep the machine going, bring everybody, everybody back. That was a free agent last year. Um, I, that's where it's like, this is, this is where things have been building to kind of like, this is the identity that the Bucks want to make um, be the anti-current <laughs> NBA of like, always new thing, always new thing, always new thing. It's like, let's just run it back. We felt like we were pretty close last year. Let's just do it again. Well, we all, by the end of the, the playoff run last year, I think we were all in agreement that it was Pat's time to start. And that's kind of the forgotten element too, because he's being out. Like, by the time the playoffs come around, Pat could be, the starter in that spot either the options are real i think is the thing that is just worth stressing there like we've been in multiple seasons where it's like who is going to be the book swift starter and maybe there's some debate discussion around that but how real was it like we're we're not even talking about wes who is someone for his defense when the games become really really high stakes or there's really challenging wing matchups but goes to and if We'll see how things are interesting West at the moment. It's hard to get a read on that, but I, I think as Ty noted with George Hill too, like part of the book's plan, and they'll be able to do some more of that with George when Chris is back and Pat is back, might just be, yeah, okay, we'll give you some minutes here and there, but we're managing you so that you're still good to give us like quality minutes come playoff time because that's when their skill sets are most valuable. Jordan, you mentioned Marjan Beauchamp. You also mentioned... Javon as the kind of piece to kind of keep this machine in motion to keep this show on the road for the books. Um, the more conventional, the most obvious way for the books to extend their timeline and to remain the NBA's best team and right in position to win a championship every year is to make the very few draft picks they have really count when they come along. I was very skeptical of the Marjan Bochamp pick. I wasn't really sure what it seemed like he could do. And I think part of that and the the wider concern was because of how last year went for him, how because of COVID turning what was already, I guess, a somewhat idiosyncratic route to the league upside down for him. You're like, how ready is he going to be? What can he do? Uh, Marjan might be for real. This is really really exciting because we just have not had a books draft pick to get excited about in a long time i some people might push back on that i know there are lots of people excited about dante i sadly was never one of them um dante though even in his most impressive spells and certainly early early in his career was not doing quite what marjan is and it hasn't been all perfect but that's what you expect from a rookie and particularly one who should be as raw as I think Marjan should be at this point. But he's played eight games now, averaging out of 14 minutes per game, just under six points, 3.1 boards. Yeah, there have been some turnovers. Yeah, there are fouls. Um, but shooting numbers are creeping up, up to 33.3% from deep. That is obviously 
just like launched into a different dimension behind his five or eight from deep in a start last night. Uh, also worth noting, I know how noisy looking at net rating for individual players can be even more so in the season, but the books are outscoring op- opponents by 15.3 points per 100 possessions with Marjan on the floor, which is the team lead. He is currently the team lead if we're to look at uh, individual books in terms of their net rating. So the signs are all very, very positive. And I think something that was highlighted on the playback last night, I think it might have been by Utah, is whenever the books get out in transition and he's he's on the court, he is racing down the floor and he may end up, he may start the, the possession trailing everyone, but he is making sure that by the time, by the time it gets to the other end of the floor, he is out in front. And whether that's to get to the corner first, whether that's to cut and be, you know, under the rim for an easy dunk, whatever it might be, uh, his infectiousness, his energy, and just clearly his determination to make an impact, to impact winning basketball is very much in evidence. And there's some quality production to go with it. So I'm I'm still, much like with Javon, I'm going to try and keep this in some perspective, but I will admit to being very excited by Marjan's start. I assume both of you guys are on the same page with that. 100%. I did a quick little video for social media looking at his clips from the Wolves game, his first big game. And there's one that... We're talking about the leak in transition. So that's obvious. It's, he's gotten a lot of corner threes from that. And on one play, he beat back the Bucks and the Wolves and just got a dunk because Giannis just threw it up to him and he was just behind everyone. And it's like, oh, Bucks have not had a guy besides Giannis who can do that in a long time. And the problem with Giannis is there's three defenders pointed at him in transition all the time. So he can't really leak out behind the defense. There was one, though, where he got out to the left corner and I think could kind of see or feel Grayson kind of coming up behind him right there. And he immediately cuts down to the dunker, gets the pass from Giannis and just lays it in. And I just feel like for a rookie, his feel of the floor and knowing where to be, I mean, he makes a ton of rookie mistakes, right? He had the terrible first game against the Thunder where he missed almost all his shots. He fouls a ton. He's an over-aggressive defender. He travels about once every game or two, like, not saying he, he looks totally like a polished vet, but there's some things in I think how he feels the floor, especially when he's out there with Giannis, where he just looks like a good Bucks fit. Remember, we waited so long for number 37 to look like he fit on the Bucks, And this is a veteran who's wow, been in the some league. Of us, some of us more than others. Well, yeah, some of us knew it wasn't going to happen. I'll, I'll, I'll continue to take the L. That's fine. Um, but... It's just like, it's not a guarantee. I remember, um, and this is maybe none of us were as high on this guy, but like DJ Augustine, who looked like he was playing for a different team, but he was wearing the same jersey. Like if the fit wasn't there, I think Marjan has really fit well in the athleticism. The corner threes have been better than I expected, quite honestly. And that's a big reason why I think he'll, he's be, he should be able to play more in the near term and certainly more than Jordan Wara, who I, I don't think Jordan Wara does anything maybe pull up shooting, but not in a useful enough way, uh, better than Marjan. But yeah, I think fit-wise, I'm very excited about it. And of course, his his potential. And I, I still, where I'm at with him is like, I want him to play in a lot of regular season games, especially when guys are out, he should play a bunch. Don't think he's going to be much of a factor in the playoffs. Would love to be wrong about that, but just with all the wings they have. But I think that's fine. Let him get a bunch of regular season run. 
learn from all these veteran wings, which I'm sure has been great. We've seen Joe Ingles talking to Javon and, and Bochamp a lot on the sidelines. And also for the excitement since Dante thing. First, it's been four years. So it's not like it's still even if you want to say Dante, that's fine. Dante had never got to 19 his rookie year. He did it twice in his second year. It took him till like game 43 of his sophomore year to hit 19 points. So Marjan has had a better game than rookie Dante had at any point already. And it's, you know, early to mid-November here. So I think it's a valid statement to say, probably since Brogdon, that we've been this excited about a Bucks rookie. Yeah, I mean, for me... It's the utility of Marjan that I was intrigued by because I think at the time we were, we were talking about the guys that were on the board and why did the, not necessarily, this, is, this sounds pejorative or critical, but it was like, why did they value Marjan in the way that they did by, again, it's symbolic to use your first first round pick at a guy who took a very unusual route to get to the NBA. Um. But for me, and certainly for Rohan, <laughs> the utility of just like his role and how he could play off of guys like he did in, with the G League Ignite team. And, you know, you kind of do like a facsimile of that with Giannis and Drew and Chris. And it's like, if again, we're talking about starring in a specific role and how that gets you to the NBA. So different than our conversation with Javon, who, as Ty mentioned, he saw the play, you know, engaging defensively. And there, we weren't going to knock his defensive pedigree by any means, but like we saw, like if you can just do that and stick around, maybe stick around with the team longer than a year, which in Javon Carter's case was <laughs> kind of a rarity. But for Marjan, it's the same thing of like these are the things I do well at; these are the things I don't do well at. How can I elevate my game or status or profile to get to the NBA? And it was learning those little things that kind of just keeps him on the floor there were I mean we're watching the game last night it's like he hasn't fouled out he's playing better than Grayson why isn't Marjan on the floor and the things that he does of like it obviously helps to see him hit shots and kind of break the the cold spell that he was going through after the Wolves game but as you said Ty his positioning on the floor and no like his ability to recognize the spacing within the team what 10 games into his into the season and really seven six or seven games into his own year like that is already really a, a big benefit for him because he is long he can chase after second chances and finish around the rim and obviously the transition the boost that he gives in the transition game is huge too um it's little stuff like that that's going to keep him on the floor keep him in the rotation that i saw I could see coming if everything broke out well. It actually kind of reminds me of when the when the Bucks signed Pat Connaughton, who probably should have been mentioned in like my point of like spotting these guys that fall through the cracks of that's a good um, call. You know, original drafting teams. That's the last Pat, Javon, essentially. I mean, in terms yeah. of someone who you're like, okay, it really sticks where no one else was really in at that point, and the book spotted it. Yeah, and they with Pat, it was okay, if we can fix his shot, he has the athleticism, he has the, the tools to be a very, you know, useful wing player that can play, you know, defensively, not as well as he is now, but that grows in time. And just, like, the stuff that he does, like, like cutting, moving off the ball, like, that stuff is, like, 
not everyone does that. And for this Bucks team, when things can really round down to being really stagnant and guys are watching the other guys hold the ball, it's really nice to have Marjan, Pat. I mean, Grayson does it too, as much as we're kind of all over the board on Grayson. It's stuff like that that's going to keep you on the floor and keep you in Bud's good graces that um, I'm really excited to see Marjan continue this this um it's kind of it kind of stinks because i know the reinforcements are coming and chris and pat are near because i think that is just going to kind of relegate i marjan's minutes a little bit i don't know if that's a bad thing for a rookie though yeah no i don't think it is either but i for selfish reasons i just want to see these for the excitement continue You know, I think uh, in a lot of ways, he's the opposite of what the Bucks have gone after. And I think that's why yeah. he fits really well, because he yes. is. And I think Rohan was on this early, like a breath of fresh air on the roster where it's like, oh, my God, somebody can take Nas Reed off the triple and just throw down a hammer off one leg besides Giannis and maybe Thanasis. Like, oh, that's nice. Or someone just getting out there and transition that fast. It's like, wow, I'm used to. I'm used to Bobby Portis being the non Giannis fast guy with his like fast walk down the court. <laughs> like, this is fun. I mean, I the whole too. approach to drafting him was an ideological shift. And to me, the concern was, like, is there offense? And if there is offense, like, I, you mentioned the Raptors and some of the players, it's like, if you want to take a Kenoji and an Obi, like, that's that's kind of the, the absolute best case you want to realize out, like, where it's a guy who can give you some real offense as an excellent defender, and you've got someone who's just a core piece of what you're doing long term. Like, that's the kind of the fantasy version of it that the books haven't there has been more let's plug and play than i think what you're getting here i don't know is part of this too the belief that they had in their depth because they are so deep knowing what they're doing that's like if ever there's a year where we can really take a flyer take someone we really like the tools and mold them this is it and i know we talked about in the off season but that same kind of thing factors into there has never been a better books group, I think, on all fronts to yep. mold a young wing. Joe Ingles, yep. as you mentioned, is doing a lot of work on the bench, which is really great. And it seems like even when you see kind of just clips from, from practice and stuff like that, like he's fully embedded. Like he is a book as if he's been there two or three years. He's known as being an incredibly likable, easygoing guy. That That's kind of what happens everywhere. But it really feels like he's a book. But when you've got that, You've got Damari Carl, we mentioned before, joining the staff and having kind of a player development-esque role. Like, the books have really got the right voices, too, to help Marjan be the best version of the kind of wing they want them to be. Yeah, it's it's basically like NFL drafting. That's because the NBA, so often it is plug and place because the rosters are so smaller and uh, draft picks are so important. But, like, in the NFL, they do the free agency first and you're supposed to approach the draft, like let me just pick best player available and, you know, we don't need him right away. Having the luxury to do that in the NBA is, is awesome. And I think that's the best case for Marjan. They don't need him, right? Like if he did hit a big rookie wall, like to, a month from now, he probably wouldn't play. And that's how he's going to come along. I think that is a good way for a young player to learn. But I agree with you, Jordan. Selfishly, you know, if this was like a 20 win bucks team, we'd get to see so much Marjan, but I think I'll, <laughs> I think I'll take this version of it and and what's going to come after the regular season. Uh, I think that's pretty much fair, but totally agree. He is set up for long-term success here in a lot of different ways. Let's, let's get into the mailbag. Well, can there I do is... one more point? Sorry. Well, sorry. You, you may have room for it because we've got more Marjan to come, but go ahead. I think too, this is 
for me, this is kind of a thought that just exploded in my brain. <laughs> I think Mar they drafted Marjan at a time when they could have a guy like Marjan blossom in their core. If we're talking about the Bucks of five out spacing of, of Giannis just rampaging the paint constantly in and out, spacing, 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 and then playing the way that they do defensively when Bud first came in. I don't know if Marjan would necessarily be a guy that we would identify as being a nice fit for the Bucks. Um, and maybe that's just based on what we saw with his time at the G League, or just, you know, we know that he has to work out a shot and be a more uh, consistent shooter. His offensive game, who knows if he blossoms into a guy that can kind of really, I don't know, handle ball handling duties, hit from PN, like pick and rolls and stuff like that. Like, but for the fact that they things have evolved where their offense does not look anything like what it used to all the time. They're really things have varied up so much from when Bud first came to Milwaukee to where it is now with the guys that they have on the roster. Um, and defensively, it's just a total pair, it's a paradigm shift of like marrying the the old bucks with the new bucks and just kind of finding this whatever you want to call it, this next level of, of strategy and just their game plan and overall just, like, I don't know, identity. I think that's where, for me, it's like, if we're talking about, if Marjan had come out two years early or whatever the case may be, I don't think he necessarily would have had the, the I don't think the blueprint was there for him to succeed as or to see this as early as we could because things were just so different even during the championship year. They had to go through learning their ups and downs and obviously playoff failures and stuff like that to kind of let things keep evolving and, and, you know, adding the dunker spot, trusting guys on the perimeter to really, or switching all that stuff that we've talked about for years and years and years. That for me, I think that is what's exciting to see a guy like Marjan. So again, young, inexperienced, finding his feet or finding his footing and starting to kind of, I know, lay the groundwork to being a successful NBA player. Yeah, the, the introduction to Dunker Spot and the evolution of it since completely changed the profile of what a Bucks wing look like, will be asked to, could yes. do, and has transformed the team. Um, all right, let's get into the mailbag. From a Cowboy Space, who are you more excited about, Javon or Marjan? And might be a bit early, but is Wes washed? Uh, I'll go first on the first part of it. I'm more excited for Marjan because of age, because of years of control and the contract. Um, but certainly Javon's development and even just the kind of conversation we were able to have about Javon start this episode off is no, no small thing at all for the books. And for the West part of it, for me, I, I don't think he's washed. I think his minutes have been weird. We talked about he picked up an injury late in preseason as well so i don't think he's probably got the ideal runway into this season and at his age that is something that they're probably monitoring more closely taking greater care with and he's had some good defensive possessions obviously he got he got burned by what was just an incredible shot by shay last night in sending the game to overtime but he's had some good defense possessions and he's already had two to three really big made trees this season um and again you know chris back pop back things should get easier for him too in his minutes out there so I, i'm not worried about wes at all yet 
Um, it's just going to be interesting to monitor how his minutes go. He is fourth on the Bucks in three-point percentage this year. He's up to 36.7% after last night. Shooting 30% from two, but on less than one attempt per game. Uh, Serge Ibaka, first on the Bucks in three-point percentage, by the way. So that's that's fun. Jordan's agenda is thriving. Um, I would say short-term more excited Jordan's, about Jamal. Jordan's bit is thriving. I just want to clarify. Sure. It's certainly <laughs> a bit, not an agenda. <laughs> Um, short term, like this year, this playoff run, more excited about Javon. Long term, it's just got to be Marjan because of the age and and the potential. Although clearly, like Javon showing, there's still potential in in these older players too. It's funny you mentioned Damari Carroll, who's kind of like the first bud guy to do this, yeah. where he kind of shows up and is developed. And I remember there was a narrative for a while that oh, the bud's not doing this in Milwaukee. And I was like, did you forget Pat Connaughton? Did you forget Brooke Lopez? Who was already kind of changing the way he played, but really, I think blossomed into a whole new guy with the Bucks. So, um, but yeah, Bobby's a good call as well. And now, yeah. hopefully, Javon Carter. Um, but yeah, I would say, yeah, Javon overall long term, but Carter this year, I think Javon is set to have a really fun year. And no, I agree on Wes. I, I think Wes is Wes. He's having a slow start. They're managing him well. I think he's going to be called upon in the playoffs, and I think he'll deliver because he always has for the Bucks. Wes is a security blanket. I, he, it's like George. You kind of view them in a very different way because it's all about longevity, maintaining them for throughout the throughout a long season. I mean, it's November. We're hopefully talking about the Bucks in June. So, yeah, it's a different timeline and track that you kind of have to judge off of. And I'm not expecting Wes to be. I, I expectations for Wes is like it's found money at this point. It, it was the same reason why when he got out to the hot start last year when he first came back to Milwaukee middle of the season and they needed it. They needed it to, you know, really kind of, I don't know, turn the ship around at the point that they brought him back. Um, yeah. Uh, long-term definitely Marjan. I, I mean, even short-term this is, again, we're talking about the Bucks rookie. He scores double digits, nearly 20 points last night, double digits, two in the last four games. It's stuff like that that, like, I didn't – I probably anticipated a longer learning curve for him to get solid NBA minutes, and injuries and absences have necessitated him for him to play on the floor and stuff like that. But, like, yeah, there, he's he's looking the part, and it's – you're going to go through those ups and downs and, you know, cold spells with shooting the ball and stuff like that. But, yeah, he's – he's from what we've seen so far, like, how can you not be excited about what – where this could go last night was his eighth game and only his fifth to play more than 10 minutes so yeah certainly in a in a short time he has had two really impressive performances which rules from a please underscore simulation is it time for a javon rafters conversation behind ty windish right now is those who watch Eurostep episodes on youtube or have ever seen any of our our live videos before will know um ty has the framed pat Connaughton. 24. No, no, no. It's just a random 24. That's true. That's true. Much like other things, you know. Could be um, any 24. Could just, be Jack it's Bauer. A, it's a 24. There's a frame 24 um, available on gspnstore.com. Um, are you ready for an agenda like that? I feel like we're quite a we're quite a way away yeah, no, from it's... that. But let's let's hope we can get there and all the things that would need to happen for that happen. It would have to be playoff playoff saving performance that's 
the pad agenda was he was one of six guys to play in those end of those Brooklyn games. Hopefully the Bucks don't aren't in that desperate of a situation this postseason, but um, that's you can't have that convo before an all time playoff come through. He's a first ballot GSPN Hall of Famer. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Him and Job are are the guys right now. <laughs> From uh, MK Robert, more impressive. Ramon Sessions' 24-assist game against the Bulls or Javon Carter's 36-12 and 12 against the Thunder? Carter. This is a fun one. You, you're Carter. going Carter. Late-season game kind of opens up the door for shenanigans. Bucks were really crappy that year, too. Um, that Thunder team is trying to – well, they're showing more – uh, of a desire and ability to win than they have in quite some time. And again, um, it's, it's, I think it's just the, it's the difference between being 11 games of the year versus I think like almost the end of the year. It was like the last like three games of the year that Ron Sessions just had this crazy tear. Um, yeah. I, I want to go Carter. You don't see 36 points and 12 assists coming out of nowhere like that. That <laughs> from a guy like that, um, very often. Hi, uh, I'm gonna go the same. I mean, like, 2024 game is nothing to sneeze at. They did lose that game by 16 points. So, yeah, <laughs> give me the double overtime thriller win where Javon really came through. Sessions was a minus 13. Like, obviously, much different Bucks team, but. It was on 414 day, which is extra credit, I think, but I'm still mm. going to give it to Javon Carter for getting the win and, you know, 32 points as well is, is, uh, yeah, I'll take that one. 24 assists is a lot, guys. You don't see 24 assists very often. I know, I, I think all the qualifiers are fair, the outcome of the game, uh, the quality of the team, all that stuff, very valid. But 24 assists is a really rare feat in any NBA game. I think that's a I might I might have to go against the against the grain here and go with Ramon Sessions. The pace in this game was nuts. This was not an overtime game. Bulls won 151-135. Um so and Charlie Villanueva and Bobby Simmons just splashing threes combined. I was gonna say there's gotta be eleven. Gotta be guys that just like went hot it was the second to last game too michael red at 22 andrew bogan at 25 i i just i i kind of want to watch it it's his rookie for this game can we do a playback for this game 57.5 on the night and 50 50 from three so ramon sessions had it's his rookie season he had only played in the region of 16 NBA games before it. Here's his run in, right? To I'm gonna go from game 72 of this season. Okay, five assists, next game, six assists, eight assists, seven assists, ten assists, seven assists, ten assists, 14 assists, 13 assists, 24 assists, and then he finishes off the season with 14 assists. That's that's throwing some heat. He went for 44 well, points the next year. Two of those games they won, or they lost all the <laughs> Ramon Sessions is, I had to put him frightfully high when I did the 50 greatest bucks thing in like 2015. 
Oh, and yeah. I think that's all the guys that I had to put between 30 and 50. I am like rooting against because it made me sad that I just hype like, oh, yeah, here's number 32. He had a f- 24 assist game in a year. The Bucks won like 20 games. It was those those lists games. would already be a lot more fun to do than they were. We used oh, to do. Oh, oh yeah. My God. Oh yeah. I, I'm I'm digging my heels in. I'm going Ramon Session because it's not just 24 assists, 20 points, 24 assists, eight rebounds. Come on, this is the good stuff. He went um, for 44 the next year yeah. and went 18 for 21 from the free throw line in that game. <laughs> That's like a Giannis. How the hell did he get to the line 21 times? There's just no stopping him back then, Jordan. No. Uh, from a cowboy of space, is there any reason Wara should play over Marjan at this point? No. You could have stopped the question earlier. Is there any no. reason that Wara should play? I mean, I've given up. I've given up. As as a, a as a Wara contract optimist, uh, maybe the Bucks see something. He's been there all summer. No. No, I'm, roster I'm spot out. would be better. Like it was a waste yeah. of time. Uh, I think we'll get there uh, sometime in January. But uh, no, there is no reason Jordan Warrior should play. I was I was thinking of this while watching uh, him in action. Everything about his profile as a player, and even what we want to imagine a good version of him being, is like you're gonna watch a lot of his possessions and be like, no, 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 yes. But the reality of watching him play is like last night. It was like yes, yes, yes. No, like he can do something which is good. It's bordering on good. And then he just will completely make a mess of it at the end. I can't remember what game it was probably about 10 days ago now where he strung together like a couple of good possessions and then four good ones. You get like four just disaster possessions after that. The worst shots, terrible turnovers, lost on defense. Like. It's just the not the Pistons game, second Pistons game, maybe one of the I think it was. Games. It could I think be. It was it could the be. second Pistons game. I I just don't see the point. I was baffled by the decision, particularly what I mean the way this front office has viewed spending and the way the ownership has viewed spending and how deep they are in their pursuits on that front already and with their kind of I'd say pretty realistic view that down the road you're going to want to add something else. Um, maybe that's know. the whole reason why get I get a little more ammo in salary building block. Who knows? And they, I mean, they waited till October to sign them. Really weird. I hope, I hope we find out why it, that happened the way it happened because I still think it's very bizarre. Well, I, I I feel like the logical element of it is they gave themselves every chance to find someone that they wanted to sign more. Yeah. But after after a certain point pretty early on, he had the choice to come back no matter what on the qualifying offer. So that's why it's confusing that they left it open. I, I still wonder, was was there like a trade partners that fell through or something? Because I just don't see why you would let him sit on the qualifying offer that they couldn't pull after a certain point. Not just sign him. If you if you want him back, okay, we know where we're going to end up here. Um, but it's it was a weird situation. Oh, well, it doesn't, doesn't matter. From an MK, Robert, is Adam going to try to make it to Milwaukee this season? Mm. Uh, I tried to make it every season. And it hasn't <laughs> happened so far. I will try this season, but I, I don't know if this season will happen. This year will definitely happen for reasons we'll get into down the line. So, uh, yeah, I will be in Milwaukee. I say this year, not actually this year. 2023. 
Oh yeah, I was gonna. I was, <laughs> He's coming I was next really, month. That, that would have been quite a bombshell. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm flying out next week, guys. <laughs> um, but no, whether this season happens, that's probably going to be a tough one. But it will, it will happen in 2023. Um, from Ad MK Robert again is Marge on the best books draft pick since Brogdon, and no brainer. Yes, for me, I like. I don't think there's any discussion on that. By the end of the season, maybe we're prepared to go bolder on that. Who knows? Yeah. But mm, well, it'll be hard. I he I think it would did be win hard. rookie of the Bob year from the second round. <laughs> and just true. the minutes are not going to be there. Um, but yeah, for me, that's a no question. Like, it's essentially is he better than Dante DiVincenzo and DJ or Wilson? Sterling. I, I think Dante was a fine draft pick. I think Marjan is a good draft pick. So, yes, this is the best Bucks draft pick since uh, Malcolm Brogdon. It'll be hard to surpass that. He could have a much better Bucks career than Brogdon. But as a as a draft pick, getting Brogdon in the second round is – that's like kind of an all-timer value pick. Not all-timer, but it's it's very, very high percentile. Yeah. Re- honestly, even though the Bucks wasted it, and how they managed uh, his mm-hmm. departure, that is still a really important move for like kickstarting the books to a different level and getting Giannis and Chris into really competitive teams. Because yes, yes. if they don't get Brogdon and he's not that good, they're probably still floundering on teams that are not all that relevant. And who knows what that does for their development, what it does for, I guess, the feeling around the org in general. So that Brogdon pick is a really big deal, even though... Uh, whether the books honestly handled much of what went from there well with that is still very much up for debate. Um, from a Keegan J. Ford one, what is up with Grayson's cutting? I don't mind him being aggressive, but when he drives, it looks like he has no idea what to do at full speed. By the time he's decided to bail out, there's four guys around him and he just chucks it in the other team's hands. Yeah, it's a I big just, problem. Yeah. It's his big biggest problem right now. Like if he if he's just making better decisions there, whether it's okay, I'm going to drive, but I recognize I need to pass out earlier because I'm just running into a dead end here. But it's he's just consistently making really terrible decisions when he decides to drive. Jordan, when you were talking about like the floor of guys like Javon and maybe even Marjan, what I was thinking was like, yeah, 16-game players. Like you just, you trust them. Even if the shot isn't there all the time, you just trust them to figure it out and do, especially on this Bucks team where we've seen they won a championship by like, we'll just get barely enough on offense and then our defense will be so good it doesn't matter. I just still have serious questions about Grayson and I feel like I've not gotten a good answer from Grayson outside of the Bulls series and that like two weeks when Chris was out early last season. And I'm not saying, you know, erase those or take those away. But I'm saying we've seen more inconsistent play than consistent play at this point. And honestly, I'm just disappointed in the way he plays a lot of the time. I don't know. I, I think I feel like there's more tools there, but there's just a couple of little disconnects in his game. And like he'll short circuit and just do something that's completely inexplicable. So it's not been a good year for him, in my opinion. It's been fine mostly, but God, those turnovers on drives have been just brutal. It's funny because it's – I was looking at his stats before and he's shooting 42% from three. He's having a good shooting year. That's not the problem. And scoring the ball pretty well. Like it's, it's just the decision-making 
Um, that, that speaks to Jordan, your observation earlier. This is not a five out or four out and make room for Giannis offense anymore. So no. that's actually the version of the books that Grace Allen would have been best on. Yes. This version, not so much. He doesn't have the ability to go and attack convincing like Marjan even has now, but like Pat Connaughton, that's a staple of what he does. Like that isn't the wing. Grayson, I think they saw, okay, he's explosive. He is a good athlete. He can go up and dunk. He just doesn't know when to. He doesn't have the greatest kind of basketball IQ in that particular sense. It's it's not something he's he's really, really good at. Yeah, and it's I I <clears throat> What's frustrating is that you see these, you see the use. I mean, we're talking about a guy that can, there's still value in having a guy like Grayson Allen on the team. It's just, and defensively too, I mean, there was some possessions last night where he stopped Shea Gilgis Alexander on a very impressive drive where it was not conventional defense by any means. It was very much like Matador defense, but like he helped stop stop Shea from uh, scoring at the rim or like he has, I, I think he has been exactly what I expected, but it's just been, it's the roller coaster of, of seeing him drive into four guys. And it's like, what, did, what did you expect the outcome to be other than what it is? <laughs> that kind of stuff that just like, it constantly just keeps happening and happening and happening. And it's weird because it's like, on a night like last night where, again, there's no Giannis, there's no Drew, obviously no Chris and Pat. He's going to have extended opportunities on the ball. And it was just like anytime he's touching the ball, anytime he's thinking about, you know, even the Hawks team, he, he overthought this. He's wide open. There's not even a Hawks player. The nearest Hawks player is in the paint. And he overthinks his shot. And it's like, that is the stuff that's always going to plague him down. And it's why, I mean, frankly, it's why the Grizzlies moved on from him even when they had Desmond Bain. You know what I mean? Like, I know Desmond Bain is the better player here, but they timed it where we know this player is going to be better than Grayson Allen. We're going to get ahead of this one year before we have to pay him. And I, all the things that the Bucks have done with Grayson Allen – with you know the extension stuff like that that was also notable because they had not extended a first round pick because in part because they didn't have first round picks to extend um i have i don't find any fault in the logic of what they did because again there's we know the uses of just paying guys and what that could mean down the line to keep this thing again the machine running and keep it going but for grayson and just the season it's like on the whole it's like yeah this is what you expected but the route that we're taking of like just these mind-boggling decisions to drive with the ball and, you know, just trust your shot, trust who you are, what, how this got you here. And it's like that I, that I did not really expect. And I, it is incredibly mind numbing to watch him sometimes. And there'll be nights where he's just has an electric night, like what, I guess the thunder the first time around where he's just hitting shot after shot after shot. And it's, creating this offensive explosion that, you know, we saw paired with Brooke and um, um, Bobby, I think too. So yeah, it's just the, it's just the journey that we're going on with Grayson that, that makes it <laughs> make, it reminds me of Buck's role players past uh, very f- much. So the funny thing about him is I don't know the list of things you'd say that Pat Connaughton, like r- pure skills, 
that he's got that are better than Grayson's skills on offense only is like a very, I think, small list overall in terms of like things you can see and attribute and put a stat to. It might, it might makes be the nothing. Could it? Pat makes the offense. This may be the, the only thing. Yeah. But Pat makes the offense so much better because it's the decisiveness. Sure. And that's like like the feel of the game and knowing what to do and having the confidence and everything. Like that's the things that you, you don't really see on a stash. I guess playoff numbers and, and whole. But like you watch Pat play and he's become such a good triple threat wing of he gets the ball and he's open from three and he shoots. And if he's if there's a hard closeout, he gets to the rim and lays it up. And if not, he passes and moves around some more. And Grayson's just never been that fluid. And I think that's what holds him back the most, as you were saying, Jordan, of just like, you know, it is that little indecision and it'll just absolutely nuke a drive and or a possession, I mean. And the Bucks, right, especially right now, can't afford that. So that's I think that's the difference. It's just like that that knowing what to do right away versus not. And that's why Grayson continues to have these possessions where you're just like, man, you just again, he like Bobby, I would say defensively, I mean, he was getting cooked by the Jays like everyone else in the Celtics series. But I think offense was really the bigger problem for Grayson there. Like you can live with that defense of, you know, trying but getting beat by great players. Like that's most guys. But the offense was is continues to be more worrying because you know the floor is, you know, decent but but pretty low on defense and and the ceiling is obviously pretty low as well i love the extension honestly i don't love it any less now i i'm inclined to think that grace on may not be on this book season by the time the postseason or on this book's team by the time the postseason comes around because there's a lot of ifs involved in this but i, I don't think any of it is a stretch it's like if you can keep George Hill and Wes Matthews healthy. If Joe Ingles comes back healthy and looks good. If Chris Milton stays healthy. If you're seeing things you like out of Marjan. If Pat Connaughton is healthy and is playing well. You have no need for this guy. He is a very, very tradable contract and appealing asset. And a way that whether it's like <laughs> that might be the way the books open a roster spot. Is if you could flip Grayson for some draft capital. Which I, I think you could get a first for Grayson Allen. Like I think he with his skills and who he is, there will be a team where he is the perfect fit or he feels like a missing piece. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to happen. It could be something where it's just, there's a, I don't know, a marriage of convenience sort of situation where another team has a player that's not working for them and it's interesting to the books. But I, there's a really valuable piece in that Grayson Allen contract that is probably not Grayson Allen, but he is an, a chip that the books have and the books haven't had a whole lot of them where it's like, okay, if it does really come good in the next few months, he gets red hot, he makes better decisions, and the books take off, great. It's under contract. Contract's pretty cheap. If it doesn't, you are absolutely stocked at his position. And you've got kind of a, a nice mix of skills and options and levels of experience there, where if Marjan looks real, and even internally, they get more and more excited about who he is. They don't have to even hold on to Grayson and the idea of, well, Grayson is our young wing. So that to me is something with Grayson where it, it is tough, but I, I'm prepared to watch whatever is going to play out over the next while, because I do think what you described with the Grizzlies and the Grizzlies moving on, like that could be the books that yeah. Marjan could be. I'm not saying Marjan is going to be Desmond Bain, but he could be the Desmond Bain equivalent in that situation. Yep. The books are like, we can still sell high, like another team will like him. Grayson could be that guy's entire career. Where I think he'll have, like a 14 year NBA career where there's never a team that doesn't want to have him, but whether he takes hold somewhere and is really good is 
going to be kind of an interesting thing. But for me, like, I have no worries there because they do have the depth where even less so than a year ago, it feels like you get everyone healthy. The books aren't going to have to worry about Grayson at all. And he is completely expendable and could bring something back that's quite nice. Grayson and War getting you up to 11.5 million in base salary is, yeah. is useful. It's true. From a Kelp 413, how does a 10 and 1 team almost break Roland during playback? Favorite playback moments of all time? And is it possible to trade War for anything or is his value gone because everyone else also has eyes? Uh, on the last part, Kelp. I do worry that everyone else also has eyes. So the, how it's possible to trade war is, as Ty just said, is probably to bundle him with Grace and Allen. Um, how's a 10 and one team almost break Rollinger? I mean, Rollinger just gets broken every playback. It's part of the playback experience. <laughs> I think he's also been perma broken since the Nets series. Yeah, Imagine true. if we had playback for those. His, it, was, his it was bad enough doing a podcast. Is... So I'm glad that I don't have to imagine that. His brain chemistry has been altered since. <laughs> uh, for for those who don't know, I, I should. I mean, you probably know if you listen to any of our pods because you've heard us talk about it. You've heard us promote it. If you follow us on social media, you've seen the same. If you're in our Discord. Uh, playback is uh, playback is a platform that we use pretty regularly. Uh, and we have a lot of fun doing so where we watch a books game. We're all up on quote-unquote stage. You'll see us as little bubbles at the bottom of your screen. We talk through the game. We share our thoughts. We have a room full of people in the chat interacting with us, sharing their thoughts in the game throughout. Uh, it's just so much fun. We have so much fun doing it. Uh, we had so much fun doing it for Brewers games throughout the Brewers season. We're now into... Is this our... Did you... It might be third. Was it the end of the previous season where you and Roland started using playback? We're we're using it for a while now. Anyway, this is this is quite a while. We're in a groove, and uh, we we have a lot of fun with it. So, if you ever want to have the experience of not just watching books games along with us, but also with a ton of other books fans, there is definitely something very fun, very social, and a yeah. new running GSPN bit seems to emerge from every single playback we do. So, if you don't want to miss out. Get in the Discord, keep an eye on our social media, and whenever we announce one, get in and watch a game with us. GSPN.info to get in the Discord. Um, we I think the playback link is in there too, but we typically send notifications out in our Discord when we're going to go live, both ahead of time and when we're going on stage. So it's a nice kind of foolproof way to make sure you're, you're at the games. But best playback moment, honestly, some of those Brewers playbacks were, were just a lot of fun, I would yeah. say. The Ursula one was good. I won't expound on, on that. On here. <laughs> no, that's one that's probably for the best. Yeah, uh, had definite recency bias, but I'm still many hours later. Uh, they kiss long in Oklahoma. Mm, that's mm. the state slogan is is up there with mine again for the vast majority of people listening who were not in the playback <laughs> room. They're like, what? But trust me, trust me. This is the kind of stuff you're missing out on. But uh I Still, love that Rohan was, that on playback so much. The play-by-play <laughs> calling, and he finally broke the curse. Every time a Bucks player shoots, Rohan had missed it. It felt like every time to start this year. This is what our fourth playback. Not even to start year? this year, though. Like this goes back. That farther. is true. It goes back farther. 
um, saying it's Bobby bitch. <laughs> oh yeah, that might be it. That's, that's, that might be it. There. Um, the voice he said it. It wasn't that aggressive. It's Bobby it's, bitch. Just, I, but that's also like, I, I can't wait for all to listen to this now too. I think people who listen um, to the pod, they've heard. They've definitely. If you're listening all the way back to that <laughs> Nets pod, you've heard very, many different versions of Rohan. But I think play by play. Rowan is different. It goes to a different pitch when he gets excited about something that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Like a terrible tree that someone's launched up. He'll go all high pitch and it just breaks. Where it got to the point last night where everyone in the chat is just begging Rowan to just stop. Just stop. He was having all kinds of technical issues and then he came back and <laughs> he played by played about three straight possessions as the Thunder like got right into the game at the end of regulation. So... If you haven't experienced play-by-play, Rohan, and how everyone else feels about it, you need to get him play-by-play. He, he loves hard. You can tell. He, he There's a lot of hope in his voice, and then the world tries to beat him down. He just doesn't doesn't have it. I'll say honorable mention, though. <sighs> Unleash Jordan. This this year's uh, playback. I'll say that's a this year. Content yeah, that's a Jordan. That's too. That's, yeah. It's a Twitter thing, too. This is a new, new Jordan Tresky. Yeah. There's, uh, the Jordan's... ship is going down. Twitter blue. <laughs> Um, Lars, also, Lars new bar. That's actually that's one of my Lars favorite play. Like, yeah. I forgot about that. Also, uh, of course, we this was not for a game. This is for free agency. It's Rohan's. Uh, oh yeah, Joey Joe <laughs> That sustained me for like three weeks through the summer. <laughs> I just would watch that clip and it's <laughs> the what, and he's falling down for the chair. Just oh my god, yeah. That's every every of, time Ty leaves me with Rohan. Like every time Ty yeah, just something. it just goes so. I, 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 I crisis that Rohan goes through. I I am I am like managing Rohan and yeah. trying to keep things, but I'm gone and it's just something's gonna happen and and it, it's it's off the rails. From at not cash money thoughts on war right now. Uh, we touched on that. Uh, he's bad. I think that's, yeah. we could succinctly say that and move on. And it's not. And now that there's a younger guy who already looks better, I'm not. I'm not at a place where I'm like, oh, maybe he can figure it out. It's like it's been three years. You had more opportunities early this year. I'd rather just see Marjan in every circumstance. From a Russ Brick forty four, what would it take to convince you to trade to twenty twenty nine first? Ooh, somebody. It'd be hard just because they're so deep, as we yeah, talked they're about. They're not missing anything right now. I, I, my yeah. my instinct to this is an injury. Mm. Like I feel like it. There needs to be a really kind of glaring hole created for me to be like, yeah, you've got to go and trade it first. You've got to do what you've got to do. K, KD saying he would only play for the Bucks would do it for me. Um, otherwise, maybe a young center who looks like they'd really fit. Yeah, because I do think that's, and I don't know if they're going to try and address it while Brooke is still here or how long they're planning for him to come back. But that's the one position where you look down the line. It's just like, could be it's next concerning. year. We'd have no idea. Yeah. Um, but I'd say like someone on the Giannis, Bobby, Javon age range, who's going to be like, he's able to be around for a while and just seems like a perfect fit and anything less. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not using it on Jordan Clarkson. I'm not using it on Jay Crowder. No, uh, they don't need those guys. Or playoff guy. I yeah. love that you just said Giannis, Bobby, Javon. Those are the three players that we're building around long term. Big trade. Get on board. Oh, Twenty twenty five. True. Yeah. Marjan too, but he's not that age. But he'll be around for those yeah. years. 
from at DJ Abedes, do you think Bud regrets not playing Javon against the Celtics in the playoffs based on the start to the season? I sincerely, I don't think so because I don't think that's how Bud would yeah. process that. And I don't think I don't most NBA coaches this. like you you look forward. I think would he maybe he'd do it differently if he did it again. I think the book's biggest regret against the Celtics was that Chris Middleton wasn't available. <laughs> like it's for as much as Javon could have made a difference. I don't think he swings it entirely, and the books were very good. They they had a really good series until they didn't. Just that one kind of feels like them's the breaks. You know, that's that's life in the NBA and trying to win a championship and going up against good teams. You're down your second best player, and yeah, you lose in seven games. So I I don't know, but it it obviously at least made him think about Javon. And Javon's role in the team and what he could do, and as an organization, obviously John Horst and ownership, they wanted him back too. They brought him back this offseason. So it obviously led to some level of reflection and evaluation of Javon. Um, but I don't think so. Like the thing that Bud clearly regrets is the, how they were torched from tree, and Javon yeah. doesn't plug that gap. Like that's the change they've made. So that's, if we want to look at what they came out of that series, they're like, okay, well, this is what cost us. So they've made that adjustment. We're working on it. We'll see how that plays out. But I I don't think specifically as much as they've changed tack on that, and it would probably be different this year, that Bud probably thinks like that. Agreed. Also, difference of seeing Javon do that against the Thunder than the Celtics. Yeah. yeah, he was good early, and I still I regret it. Yeah. I, how close Game Six was. If it's him instead of George, I like the odds better. Sure. The way George was playing, I think the defense, and also I know I don't think you guys had, had a chance yet to listen, but the low post with Eric Name, Name shared, and I think Low said he basically heard the same. They were really disappointed at how bad the offense was, even without Chris against a great defensive team in the Celtics, and that's why I think there's more seasoning, more spice in their offensive sets this year. Like they're adjusting on That's both ends. Why they go get that someone like Joe Ingles too? That so. too. Like they were, they were, they were disappointed, and we're used to bad Bucks offense, but they were really. It seemed like that on both ends they wanted to shift. So interesting note, I think there. From uh, T Evans Barton, what does the rotation, specifically wing rotation, look like when Pat and Chris, and eventually Jingles come back? Seems that Marjan has earned minutes, but there might not be enough to go around. It's a it's great question. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of decisions. I, I think they can cater to a hot hand a little bit more than they have in the past. Like, for example, a full strength. I think a game like last night where Bobby was far from his best, you probably don't see Bobby as much and they go smaller and you could see Pat at the four and sometimes when Giannis isn't out there, whatever it might be. Like, they should be able to play up, play down and just be like, okay, what's this matchup? Who are our best guys right now? Whatever it might be. And it could be something that's even more fluid game to game, series to series, which uh, that's a really great place to be that most teams never get a chance to. It's like, I, I think we're particularly programmed into what does the the ultra tight books rotation look like because they have had no depth, most notably with a, with a championship. Um, but like some of the concerns about how Bud manages minutes, this would be a year where you're like, well, if Bud wants to go 10 deep, like basically actually every coach that wasn't Bud went last year in the playoffs. Yeah. They've they've got the horses to do that. Like they they have got what it takes on that front. So 
I will say it does open the door for us to to have the why didn't Javon Carter play in the second round series more? I think that's going to be happening a lot more this year. If, if well, you've Joe got Ingles... you've got like six candidates for it. It's like the, exactly the West Matthews and the bubble. Like there's there's going to be all there's so many guys that like if the books don't win a championship, mark that down now. We we don't know who it will be, but there's going to be at least one, be... if not two, players that people will point to and be the reason they didn't win is because Bud didn't play. Whether that's even remotely true or not. This is why if there is some sort of a Grayson Allen consolidation trade, I would be all for it because I think I'm fine if you just throw his 24 minutes out of the picture and allocate those to other guys. But again, I think they're going to wait and see because they have the luxury to. Like Ingles looking good or not has a huge effect on that. And if Ingles does return a month before the deadline and he looks good, I would pencil in a Grayson Allen trade. Because at, like, at that point, what's the point, honestly? Like, I, I think at, at almost all of his minutes, I'd be like, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing Joe here for what he does for the other guys or, you know, give me Wes for the defense. But to answer Tommy Tebb's original question, yeah, I think Marjan's probably going to be on the outside looking in most nights when they are healthy, which, again, is fine. Get have some he'll probably go down to the herd here or there to, just to get some real game run if he's not playing. But I think it'll be great for him to watch those guys learn, to pick their brains, you know, be around these wings. You know, it's great to have Ingles sitting out and talking, but I think those guys playing could do even more for for the young guys. So, um, yeah, I, I would expect Bochamp to not be a big rotation factor when they're healthy, which is a luxury and I think will be good long term. It's good. You don't, don't have to deal with, say, a rookie wall in terms of that he's playing 20 minutes a game and you need him to produce good. You can manage his confidence in different ways. Like if the books are a juggernaut team, like they've started the season, get to be around a team like that, get to see the habits those guys form, get to understand this is how we're playing winning basketball. And then he's ready. Like you're building him into a piece that's that's going to be crucial for the books in the longer term. So I think that works. The one thing I'll just add there is they really, it excites me to kind of stop and think about it. I just think people either they're underrating it or they're forgetting it because it's kind of somewhat out of sight out of mind if joe ingles looks good and healthy i don't think people realize just how important he's going to be for the books and how he could just like the books could just breeze through much of the postseason if joe ingles is like joe ingles who he is being with the jazz for the last seven years because outside of his last year there which is yeah but even even with that like you don't need him to be the absolute maximum version but just what he brings, he is a really weird, unique player in terms of his ability to create from that spot, in terms of how he does that in spite of his deficiencies, particularly at this age and at this point in his career. But when you look at the combination of his shooting and his playmaking, to have someone like that who is going to give you playmaking, like potentially at four of your five spots on the floor, um, that's the kind of thing that has bogged the books down. Like he is such a big get and it is a flyer. There is risk attached because of his injury. If that progresses well and he looks good, I don't think books fans are fully prepared for that. I certainly don't think fans are in the league because everyone's going to have completely forgotten where Joe Ingles is, what's happening. And if the books are like, I don't know, 48 and 12 (laughs) and it's like, here comes Joe Ingles and he looks great. It's like best of luck because the books already formidable defense, their offense could just be supercharged by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From at 
Wasabibabi26, I think. I think that's how you say <laughs> that. Um, is Ty short for something cool like Titus? No. <laughs> it's uh, I'll give it oh. up on the pod to the <laughs> millions of winning six listeners. Wow, so it'll be out there. This is exclusive. Yeah, it's short for Timothy. Uh, my dad's name also Timothy. He was Tim, so I either pretty much had to be Tim Junior or Timmy. Wasn't feeling those options, especially as the Fairly Odd Parents was was oh, popping. Yeah. So I had to be Timmy Turner if I was Timmy. Uh, I, I think Timmy would work now, though. Like it I, might. Timmy's... Well, yeah, and the future made the Timmy Turner song that it goes in. So I think I, I would have if I stuck with it, I wouldn't be dissatisfied. But uh, so yeah, I just said, well, people make nicknames on this name by chopping off letters. What's one more in the fourth grade? And somehow it, it stuck until now. Big time Timmy Windish has a ring to it too. <laughs> yeah. If you ever need yeah. to reinvent yourself, it's great that the option it's, is just built in. It's, it's there. Almost as good as big, big titty. Um, but there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of options out there. If I do need to rebrand, if I ever get canceled, I have a lot of, a lot of pivots <laughs> I could make. Just imagining Greg Popovich say Timmy as he does with Tim Duncan. There's a, there's a great Timmy. Yeah. Yeah. They're out there. Similar fashion sense. From Ben oh, Rama. <laughs> Listen, I, I've got some photos from like 2014 that you're, you're like, you look like prime Tim Duncan fashion sense. Star, oh, prime man. Starcraft Tim Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Uh, from Ben Rowan, as the team is currently constructed, who's more important in a Bucks playoff series this year? A realistic full actualization of Marjan or Javon? That's a variation of a question that we uh, were asked earlier. I think Ty gave his answer to this one at that time. This year, Javon is more important. Well, I mean, a fully realized and actualized? Like, well, I think it means a fully how realistic and realized can we be? this year. I don't, I don't think bad means like if marjan hits no i don't i don't not career no 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 but i mean he's 22 i mean if if the threes are falling and he stops falling like crazy i think it's a combo i still think it's javon just because of the way the roster is built as we've talked about but a fully actualized rookie marjan could could find his way back into the rotation if a couple things break bad as well but yeah i'm gonna stick with javon for now same javon from at SC99156, do you anticipate a trade before the deadline? If so, what kind of player will the books look to bring in or what cost? We get asked this every episode and the answer is the same. It's like, yeah, I probably do anticipate a trade because that's what Horse does. Who it is, what it is, no idea. Like, we'll have to talk in January to get a sense of that. Yeah, right that's... now, there's nothing they need to address. Like... You don't make those decisions now because, uh, as I said, I think most likely for this team, injury could be the driving factor or any kind of health concerns or someone really dropping off and not looking like themselves. Like, And they're the things that at this point in the season, you just can't make a read on. Who are the obvious sellers, too? Everybody's looking at the Jazz's spare parts after trading Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They're the first in the West. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Spurs. Spurs, yeah, but I, I, again, I, I, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. It's very early, but I don't know. The, the fact that the play-in has come in and it's muddled how people view their teams and stuff like that, some 
teens might just look at that as a way of like, let's just go into it and see if we can get into the playoffs and get more playoff money. And it doesn't necessarily create a lot of sellers. Or if it does, it's going to happen where so some team is going to reposition itself and maybe transition to a rebuild that we don't see coming if the results aren't there. That it creates that's panic buyers is is what it does. Like that's the other thing. That's if there is a like, and you only have to look. It's at like the Wizards. The Wizards are this team every year. They trade for Porzingis or do um, I I don't even know. Um, just some weird. They, I feel like the Wizards are my example of just like, oh, they traded for Lou Williams, or they the like Bogdanovich or like these guys are just like that is a weird trade. <laughs> and uh yeah it just kind of keeps on going on but yeah like right now i mean identify any of the guys that we talked about jordan clarkson was probably one of the big one of the one of if not the biggest name that all bucks fans were looking at um, they don't want to trade him no they're not going to trade him so yeah, yeah i i i don't even know who is gettable it's it's the constant Miles Turner and Buddy Heald might be out there, but like those guys are making My, a lot of money. Miles Turner's out there. He'll let you know he is. Yeah, <laughs> he'll go on the Woj pod and be like, "Hey, the Lakers should really trade for me." It's like that will <laughs> That's like gonna solve their problems. Can we scoop up a Jakob Pertl depreciated asset and have the best backup center in the league for a little while? I don't think he's a fit with the shooting. Is the issue three three to ten feet? He's hits fifty seven percent, so he's got a little stretch, but no threes, which is an I, issue I think for Giannis. There is a lot to like a... there, though. As in in terms of, we're coming from position at that spot where we're like, they're not going to find the exact replacement for Brooke, but right now they've got nothing. Uh, that is hey concerning. hey hey, Serge Bucks leading three point shooter Serge Ibaka. You think Serge is going to be on the team longer than Brooke? Oh, no. Do you think Yaka Pertle <laughs> is going to have a Grammy nominated album? <laughs> Support the arts, support Serge Ibaka. <laughs> that is, that's the one Not guy exactly right now. Not exactly what I look for in my backup centers. But. Where I look around and just go, like, who is like interesting and maybe not that exciting, but on a bad team? They've looked to trade him before. You know, Grayson, Wara in a second. Maybe. I don't know. But maybe if nothing else, just open up a buyout spot because they have feasted with those in in recent years. Like maybe the maybe like the Knicks completely crash and someone like Isaiah Hartenstein who on the off season would love him. Like that's and he's actually basically him and Grayson is very much like for like kind of salary wise and that's the kind of where you know maybe you find another team if you're the books. There's just yeah, we'd like a flyer on that guy. You'd like a flyer on our guy. Let's let's do it. Um, but it's hard to... One, we just don't have a picture of the market. But I think more so when you look at... More so than usual, we've got a lot of what should be good teams or teams with expectations of being good off the bad starts. And there's time for plenty of them to recover. They're not all going to recover because there's too many, though. And... That goes to the extremes of teams that I don't think any of us expect to be good, but certainly expected themselves to be good, like the Lakers. But if you look at the playing teams in the West at the moment, like take the Spurs out of the equation, you've got the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, and then you've got the Warriors outside of that entirely. Like those teams will, <laughs> certainly the Clippers and the Warriors, if they're kind of in the mix and things have turned, but they need to make sure of some stuff, they will go big if they need to. And likewise in the East, like if, the Nets get it together enough, but they're still in kind of a play on a, a play in mix. They could be buyers. The Heat, 
Sixers, like it's it's been a weird start to the season that some of those teams are going to continue, multiple of those teams, to underachieve and be in a spot where there could be some real kind of panic buying, which right now, like, the books just don't have to. We don't have to talk about any of that. We don't have to talk yeah. and think about trades. The yeah. books could be a big benefactor if that is the scenario because they could be like, oh, we've got a Grace and Allen we don't need. Uh, we'll take two first-round picks from you, desperate. Okay, okay, okay. Team. I let one slide. They are not getting two first-round Did you hear picks. the franchises I mentioned? Uh, oh, I did. Like, Thankfully for there them, could be I don't some think, desperation out there. I don't think many of them not, even I'm have two first-round picks. I'm not predicting. Okay, okay. Um, from a weaponized size, after Pat and Chris get back, what does the rotation look like? We've touched on it. Your guess is as good as ours. It looks deep. That's what it looks like. Yes. Let's do this. Which guys will consistently play every night? Consistently play? So Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke. Uh, pretty safe, I think. Pencils, Pat. Bobby, and Pat. Javon. Javon. That's your. Is that eight? Was that eight guys we said? That's eight. Grayson. As much as I may not wish it, I think he I has. Don't, I really. It's going to be interesting. Like when, if it comes down to that, and they're getting what they need at that spot, I think his minutes will really tumble. If if Bud does stick with Javon as a starter, which that's obviously a big if too. That's just what we're kind of seeing right now. But George Hill's been playing well and has value f- in different ways to, to Grayson yep. too. Like we, we saw it last night, example, where he's the only guy who can throw, throw an entry, an entry pass. pass. Yeah, <laughs> like that's pretty important. Um, same with Wes. Like there's going to be games where Bud is going to be like, yeah, this is this is Wes as the wing I need out there. He can make some trees, but also he can take this tough assignment and Sirs? spare Chris, Yes. That surge is not factor yet situational no no but I the say, like, because... he's there like if if there's foul trouble or something he's gonna have to play or yeah if it is the sixers he may have to play but but they're gonna go they're gonna play smaller when they have more wings when they have chris yeah. certainly on the floor I, again it's yeah I, I think the bigger questions are like what does it do for like grayson's role because he's kind of the biggest as we talked about he's the biggest what if he, he could have 21 9 he could have a night like last night where it's like it's a good game but it's like it, again the, how it ended up is like he was fighting downstock allegations despite having whatever 18 points and hitting two clutch free throws a couple big flops and it there was still in the chat on the playback was like how is he not getting a downstock it's like well yeah. did, he did some good but also a lot of not good yeah and it's, we didn't even mention Ingles so it's it's there's a lot to figure out it's a big Big season for a lot of guys. There's a lot up for grabs. And, of course, we didn't mention Marjan, who is – what is that, like guy number 13? <laughs> yeah, you're like right? – you're getting all the way back to, like, War and Sandman at that point. Like, it's, Well, the, the War and Thanasis are the only two guys Thanasis. on the actual yeah. NBA roster who Full are roster. not who are not factoring in at all, which is crazy. All right. On that note, that does it. That's, that's everything. Already? Yeah. I mean, this is actually, it felt longer because we had a lot of mailbag. We did a lot of talking before. I was worried. I was like, we can't keep tied for two and a half hours. You'll never let us ah. live it down. But we, we haven't done that. Um, a lot of fun having you on, Ty, as always. Oh, man. It was a blast. Thank you guys for having I pretty much barged in last yeah, night before bed. I'm like, I, I'm really thinking about intruding on this win in six tomorrow. No invite, but, you know, made it happen. 
that's the whole idea. That's the the fluid crossovers across across the Eurostep podcast network. Uh, to make sure you hear Ty regularly, to make sure you hear us regularly, Rohan also, who, who isn't here, but will join Ty on the Eurostep podcast. Subscribe to the main feed on our network, Eurostep podcast network feed, home to all things Milwaukee books. So you get myself and Jordan doing win in six here. So you get Ty and Rohan doing the Eurostep. Should also subscribe to Talk of the Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. Nilak and Jordan are suffering true. Ty is a regular factor. I've been on honestly more than I would like, considering the games I'm ending up with every time I come on. Well, let's you have to talk about that Lions game. <laughs> Everyone keeps saying that as if all the others are terrible too. But That's true. <laughs> let's hope the Packers at least I don't know cope with something that makes us all feel better. But whether it's you need therapy or. You want to listen to how the Packers might evolve from here. Talking to Tundra's got you covered. Cruising for a bruising. Me and Andrew Snyder talking all things Milwaukee Brewers. Um, We're all set in our next episode to start our position group by position group season review. We'll be grading all of the Brewers from last season as we get ready for them to make even more big season big decisions into next season. Might, might want to start with starting pitchers to uh, get ahead of some. We we are starting with starting pitchers. Yeah, probably yeah, a good call. Are. Um, and last but not least, make time for this, our feed for pop culture and other things here at GSPN. Uh, myself and Andrew are there every week with movie talk. We've got all sorts of other stuff too. Coming up next, we've got some TV talk, some crossover. Mr. Tresky will be there. And we're going to be talking about the TV show, The Bear. So all sorts of fun stuff all across the network. GSPN.info, as time mentioned earlier, it does what it says, you know, it gets you info on all things GSPN. If you want links to everything we do, you'll find them there. You want to get into Discord, get on playback. You'll also find the link to GSPN store in there. We do have a 10% off promo running at the moment um, to celebrate the release of not just the Talk of the Tundra merch, but also the purple win in six alts, which you should go take a look at on the store. The promo code is TOT, T-O-T-T, Talk of the Tundra. Um, that will get you 10% off true to next Monday. And I think that's pretty much everything. We're on Twitter at Win in Numerical Value 6 podcast. I'm at Adam McGee 11. Ty is at Ty Windish. Jordan is at Jordan Tresky. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Ty. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.